Welcome to the Agent of Wealth podcast with Mark Boudis from Boudis Financial. In this podcast, Mark helps guide you towards financial freedom, ensure you never run out of money, and create a balance in life that prioritizes what is most important to you. Join us for this journey as Mark draws from years of expertise and guest experts to solve the multiple wealth building challenges involved in your financial life. Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Bowdis. Today, we're going to talk about required minimum distributions, more commonly known as RMDs. It's a topic that's top of mind for people who took them a couple weeks ago at the end of the year, getting them them in by that December 31st deadline. And since the recently passed Secure Act 2.0, I've been receiving a lot of questions about them since the bill made some major changes to RMD rules. While RMDs mostly impact people in their 70s, I encourage you to keep listening, even if you're years away from taking your first RMD, because there are some planning opportunities that you may want to consider before 70 to mitigate the impact of RMDs. Another reason to listen, and you may inherit an IRA one day, and the rules around beneficiary IRAs are complex and frequently changing. I'll start off by detailing what an RMD is. When you have a tax advantage retirement account, like a 401k or an IRA, you, or if the employer was putting in the money into your account on your behalf, received a tax deduction every year for uh, any funds that went into that 401k or IRA. The RMD is simply the IRS wanting to collect its tax on that deduction that you were getting. So they do this by forcing you to take money out of your 401k or IRA, which is then taxed as ordinary income. And when I say 401ks or IRAs, it could really be any type of retirement account, including traditional IRAs, simple IRAs, SEP IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, 457 plans, profit sharing plans, or other defined contribution plans. One account type that I didn't include in the list is a Roth IRA. And that's because there are no withdrawals required by the government until after the account owner has died. And the reason for that is because with the Roth IRA, you didn't get the tax deduction when you made the contribution. The tax benefit on the Roth is when you start withdrawing funds and you don't have to pay tax on those distributions. So it's really the opposite of like a traditional IRA. I'll talk a little bit more about how Roths can be used as an RMD strategy shortly. Now, once you find out that you are subject to RMDs, the next question you'll have is, well, what is my RMD? And generally, an RMD is calculated by dividing your prior December 31st balance of the account by a life expectancy factor that the IRS publishes in uh, something called publication 590-B, which is distributions from individual retirement arrangements is what it's called. And each year that you get older, your RMD will be a larger percentage of your account balance, but it will never be 100%. As long as you keep living, you can still have funds in your IRA. At a high level, it's about 4% that you have to take out at age 72, and then that percentage goes up from there. Most people don't calculate their RMDs themselves and have either their advisor, CPA, or financial institution where the account is held calculate it for them. There are also some online calculators that you can use. So I mentioned Secure Act 2.0 changed a lot of the RMD rules, and this was a piece of legislation passed right before the end of the year. It was meant to build on the first Secure Act. Um, with the goal of further strengthening our retirement system in the United States. And there were a slate of changes that impacted RMDs. The first is that the age that must start taking your RMD will increase to age 73 starting this year, starting January 1st, 2023. Prior to this, current age to begin taking RMDs was 72. So people will have an additional year to delay taking that mandatory draw. Two important things to think about. If you turn 72 
in 2022 or earlier, you'll need to continue taking your RMDs as scheduled. So if you're already taking RMDs, this does not change anything for you. If you're turning 72 in 2023 and you've already scheduled a withdrawal or thinking about your withdrawal, you may want to consider updating it. Also, Secure Act 2.0 pushes the age at which RMDs must start being taken to age 75, starting in 2033. So um, it does have this gradual scale up where it goes up a year now, but then it goes up two years over the next 10 years. Uh, another change under current law, Roth 401ks, unlike Roth IRAs, are subject to RMDs. So there's a provision in Secure Act 2.0 that eliminates RMD requirements for workplace or 401k Roth plans beginning in 2024. What this results in is that Roth 401ks, now they have a similar treatment related to RMDs as Roth IRAs do, which is a good thing. Also, starting in 2023, the steep penalty for failing to take your RMD will decrease to 25% of the RMD amount not taking from 50%. And that penalty will be reduced to 10% for IRA owners if the account owner withdraws the RMD amount previously not taken and submits a corrective tax return in a timely manner. Now, I mentioned earlier that the rules around beneficiary IRAs, so this is if you inherit an IRA, can be complex because the rules are a little bit different than if you own the IRA yourself. So if you inherited an IRA, the rules around RMDs fall into three categories, spouses, non-spouses, and entities like trust, estates, or charities. And then, you know, like I mentioned, if you don't take your RMD from your account, you're subject to that 50% penalty of the amount that should have been withdrawn. If you inherited a Roth IRA, then the same rules generally apply. You must take the RMDs. However, as long as the assets have been in the original Roth IRA owner's account for five years or more, you can make these withdrawals tax-free. If you inherit an IRA from your spouse, you have the choice of either moving the money into your own IRA or into an inherited IRA. So let's look at option one, which is move the money into your own IRA. If you consolidate the money into your IRA, then the regular RMD rules apply, basically just as if this is now your IRA and whatever RMD rules you're subject to, these funds are going to be subject to as well. This can be advantageous if you've not yet reached the age of 73, but your spouse has, um, because it enables you to stretch out the tax deferral of the IRA assets by delaying the distributions until you reach age 73. It may not be advantageous if you're under age 59 and a half and you intend to take a distribution from your IRA, because now that this has now gone into your IRA, you're subject to not just your RMD rules, but any IRA rules. And one of them is if you take a distribution prior to age 59 and a half, you're subject to the 10% early withdrawal penalty. So now option two is move the money into an inherited IRA. So if you move it into an inherited IRA, you withdraw the RMDs based on your age. RMD amounts are based on your age and they're recalculated each year, you know, like we mentioned above on that IRS single life expectancy table. There's no 10% withdrawal penalty. So it's something to consider if you need immediate access to cash. Now the rules, if you inherit an IRA from a non-spouse are a little bit different. The distribution requirements will be based on the date of the original account owner's death. So if the account owner died in 2019 or earlier, you have the ability to take RMDs based on your age using the IRS single life expectancy table. So what this is actually called is the stretch beneficiary IRA or the stretch IRA. If the original account owner died in 2020 or later, in most cases, you'll need to fully distribute that account or take everything out of that IRA within 10 years following the death of the original owner. However, there are exceptions if you're considered an eligible designated beneficiary. And an eligible designated beneficiary that includes minor childs of the original account owner, a disabled or chronically ill individual, or any person who's not more than 10 years younger than the deceased account holder. So if you are an eligible designated beneficiary, you can still withdraw the RMDs based on your age. And then that third category is if the beneficiary is an entity, which could be a charity, non-qualifying trust, 
and the owner was still living by April 1st of the year in which the account holder reached age 72, the distributions would be based on that single life expectancy of the IRA owner. If the owner was younger than 72, the assets must be completely distributed by December 31st of the fifth year containing the anniversary of the IRA owner's death. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the rules around beneficiary IRAs can be complex. So it's definitely something that you just want to make sure you're top of. I work with a lot of people who are subject to RMDs. I haven't met anyone who likes the concept of RMDs. Um, you know, even the people who I work with that are taking distributions every year that more than cover their RMD, they don't like them. And the reason I think is just that people don't like being told what to do, especially when it comes to their money and when the government is the one telling them what to do. So naturally, the question I get is, well, how can I avoid having the tax or pay tax on my RMD? Well, the government, it's pretty sharp making sure that it collects their tax. But here are a couple of options to consider. First one is if you roll over a portion of your IRA into a Roth IRA, and when you roll over any of your funds from a traditional IRA, 401k, or other tax-advantaged account into a Roth, it's called a conversion. You pay tax on the funds that you convert in the year that you do the, the conversion. And you'll pay those tax at an ordinary income rate, which could be a substantial tax bill because it's getting added as income on top of any other income you have. But the advantage of doing this is that once you do it, the taxes on that money is done. You won't need to take RMDs, nor will you need to pay taxes on any distributions you make after the conversion. There are a couple of rules around Roth distributions that you have to meet to ensure they're tax-free. But assuming that you do meet those, it's a good way to hedge taxes in the future. And since you do not have to take RMDs on it, you have full control over when you do take the money out of there. Another option is to keep working. If you have a 401k, 403b, or other small business retirement plan, you don't have to take RMDs starting at age 70 if you're still working and do not own more than 5% of the business. In this situation, you can wait to take your first RMD until April 1st in the calendar year after you retire. So this only works for current employer's plans. If you have a traditional IRA or a 401k from an old company that you worked at, you still will need to take RMDs at age 73. Another option is consider a QLAC. If you don't need the funds from your RMD, you can use some of that money that's in your 401k or in your IRA to purchase a qualified longevity annuity contract, QLAC. You're limited to contribute a maximum of 135000 to one, and you can't contribute more than 25% of any particular retirement account to fund it. They have their own rules around the annuity and how you have access to the income from that, but um, it's a way of getting money into an account where you don't have to take an RMD from. Another way to do it is marry someone younger. I know it sounds like a joke, but the IRS allows you to use different life expectancy tables dependent upon the age of both you and your spouse. So there's one calculation for RMDs if you're unmarried, or if you have a spouse who's fewer than 10 years than you, or if your spouse isn't the sole beneficiary of your IRA. That's called the Uniform Lifetime Table. But if your spouse is more than 10 years younger and is the sole beneficiary of your IRA, you'll use the Joint Life and Last Survivor Expectancy Table. For this purpose, this section, what it does is it allows you to withdraw a smaller amount each year because it's based off of a longer lifespan projection. Another a way to get around an RMD is donate the money to charity. If you don't need the money to supplement your retirement income, you have the option to donate all or part of your RMD directly to a charitable organization by taking what's called a qualified charitable distribution. So in this case, the way it works is the IRA must send the money directly from your account to the qualified charity. You can then exclude the amount of the charitable contribution from your taxable income. And lastly, time your first distribution correctly. You can wait until April 1st of the calendar year after 
you turn 73 to take your first RMD. Some retirees wait to take their RMD because they think they'll be in a lower tax bracket that year because maybe they don't have income from their job. They stopped working. However, one thing to keep in mind is if you do wait to take your first one to that following year, you'll have to take your second RMD by December 31st of that same year. So essentially that second year, you're actually taking two RMDs and that may bump you up into a higher tax bracket or that may have some unintended consequences that you just have to look at. So to help with planning around RMDs, we have a checklist that you can use when reviewing your RMDs. And you know, here are a couple things to consider. The first one is you really want to look at and decide is your RMD, will it be enough to cover your living expenses? Talked a little bit about exceptions to taking the RMD, like if you're still working and contributing to an employer-sponsored account or if this is your first year. So you just want to make sure, are you eligible for any of those? Another thing to consider is the value of your account that you have to take the RMD on. Is it significantly up or down due to market conditions? So if it is. Um, you may want to consider accelerating withdrawals, taking an RMD earlier, taking an RMD in a larger lump sum. And what that does is that could lock in gains or the opposite. You may want to delay withdrawals to potentially mitigate selling assets at a lower share price. You know, obviously trying to time the RMD can always backfire, but it's that question of should I take it in January? Should I spread it out? Um, you know, and take a monthly distribution from it, or should I just wait to the end of December or some point in December to take it? If it's up and you take it early in the year, there's always the chance that the value goes up more during the year and then vice versa. If you delay taking it because you're looking for the value to recover, there's always the chance that, that, you know, it may drop further. Another thing that some people do is they'll earmark their RMD as a method for withholding taxes to pay, you know, maybe they did a Roth conversion and they'll use their RMD to withhold, they don't actually receive their RMD and they just use it to pay the taxes on a Roth conversion. Or there could be any other tax that they may owe, capital gains, dividends, um, in like a non-qualified investment portfolio. But you, so you can actually withhold 100% of your RMD. Um, you know, like I said, I come across a lot of people who don't like RMDs. You know, Roth conversions are popular now. You know, they're in the forefront and you have to look. Sometimes they make sense, sometimes they don't make sense. But again, it's a way of not having to take an RMD. So you can get a copy of this full checklist at bowdisfinancial.com backslash RMD checklist, or we'll also have it in the show notes in the blog page uh, under resources. So thanks for tuning in today's episode. Don't forget to follow the Agent of Wealth on the platform you listen from and leave us a review on the show. We're currently accepting new clients. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one consultation with our advisors, please do so at bowdisfinancial.com backslash call. Thank you for listening to the Agent of Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Boutis Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.